0: Well, welcome to Bethel Church and uh, happy 4th of July. As many of you probably can tell, uh, I am not Pastor Steve DeWitt. My name is Jim Kilgore. I'm the Executive Pastor of Operations. One way you can tell Steve and I apart is that I'm better looking. Okay. So, oh, thank you for the applause. I appreciate it. How many of you, uh, uh, Facebook or tweet? Raise your hands great great keep them up keep them up uh, how many of you spend more than 30 minutes a day on uh, you know twitter or, or facebook okay how many of you spend more than one hour a day more than two hours a day got a few okay okay for the, uh anybody for more than two hours a day this is for you this is actually in facebook language so you'll get it okay This dog is dog, a dog, good dog, way dog, two dog, keep dog, and dog, idiot dog, busy dog, four dog, two dog, hours dog. Huh? Okay, let's read it without the word dog. This is a good way to keep an idiot busy for two hours. Just kidding, just kidding. The reality is, is that, you know, I mean Facebook, it is just an amazing thing. I mean, you know that there are 500 million people on planet Earth that have a Facebook account. That would make it the third largest country in the world behind China and India. I mean, it's amazing. But you know what it tells us is that people really want friendship. You really do. It is such an important thing. But the sad thing for many people, including Christians, is that the closest that many people get to true friendship is Facebook. That's sad. Here's some interesting quotes about uh, uh, friendship pulled off the Internet. Great stuff. Uh, the best kind of friend is the kind that you can sit on a port swing with, never say a word, then walk away feeling like it was the best conversation that you ever had. I like that. Friends are those rare people who ask how you are or how we are and then wait to hear the answer. It seems to me that trying to live without friends is like milking a bear to get cream for your morning coffee. It's a whole lot of trouble and then not worth much after you get it. Uh, A little negative. Perspective, Um, a real friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. A true friend is one who knows all about you and likes you anyway. When a friend is in trouble, don't annoy him by asking if there's anything you can do. Think up something appropriate and do it. And then the last one, it's the ones you can call up at 2 o'clock in the morning that really matter. I like that. And so what we're going to focus on today is how can you be a 2 o'clock in the morning friend? How can you have a 2 o'clock in the morning friend? We have been hardwired by God for relationship that is what he has just crafted deep within us. And the Bible tells us that we have been made in the very image of God. Now, there's a lot of theological truth behind that, many, many things. But one of those truths is this. God says being made in his image means being made to have friendship, friendship with him, friendship with one another. Matter of fact, we see this right at the very get go in the garden. Adam spent time, FaceTime, walking, talking, spending. spending time with God, his friend. They had such a tight relationship that they could talk face-to-face about anything. We read in uh, Genesis chapter 3, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, why did God even create man? Was God lonely? And God needed a friend? No. (laughs) God is in Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. He has phenomenal, perfect friendship within himself. And out of that joy of intimacy, of relationship, of friendship, he says, I want man to experience this. So that kind of friendship is available to us because we've been made in God's image. He is that way. We are to be that way as well. Genesis two eighteen. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now, you know, you probably read that passage before, and maybe immediately what comes to your mind is, oh, yeah, well, that's when he made Eve. No, that's not exactly what happened. Because at this point, God said, I am going to do something very unique. And what he ended up doing is that he started bringing all the animals to Adam to see what Adam would name him. This is before Eve even shows up. Now, why did God do that? Because Adam was bored. Because Adam didn't have, you know, uh, you know, his iPhone to be able to uh, to Facebook his friends, or because he didn't have an Xbox to play with, no. It's because God was trying to show Adam a very, very important point, which is this: Adam, guess what? Everything on planet Earth is at your disposal. You have got it all, but I'm going to show you that it's not enough. No job, no thrill. No money, no stuff will ever take the place of a true friendship. So then what does God do? He brings Eve along. Why did he do that? So that Eve could just simply be his wife? Well, that's part of it, but even more. So that Eve could be his friend, his companion. Why? Because God has hardwired us for relationship, for friendship. It is deep within our bones. It is within our DNA. It is how we have been made by God. It is in God's character himself, and he has put that in us. So we are naturally bent and hardwired towards relationships. It is there with us. Jesus even said in the New Testament in John fifteen fifteen, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I've heard from my father. I've made known to you because of sin, that relationship, that hard wiring between us and God got short circuited. Jesus came to restore that because that is again what we have been made for. We have been made as relational beings. We have been made for friendship." So bottom line, we have been hardwired by God for this. It is deep within us, and we really want and need friends. And the reality is we cannot survive life without friends. Yeah, 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 Pastor Kilgore, I've heard all that before. You don't know what my life is like. I got no friends. My life is like a line from a country song, I gave you my heart, and you stomp that sucker flat. Man, my life is so bad that I got to tie raw meat around my neck just to get the dogs to lick me. Yeah, my life's horrible. Okay, okay, yep. We've all had friendships that have blown up in our faces. And you know, if you just stop and think right now, there's probably a little bit of a twinge right down the pit of your stomach. You think about a friendship that went south, just didn't work. And yet, what happens? Because we've been hardwired by God for friendship, we go right back. Because we need friends. We want friends. It is part of how God has made us. We want a friendship that is nurturing, that is meaningful, that has depth. And yet, the reality for some of us is that it ends up being disappointing. And something that could actually turn out, unfortunately, rather rather ugly. Well, relationships aren't optional. I mean, it's just part of life. I mean, from the very get-go, you got parents. Right there, you got a relationship. And then you get siblings on top of that. And then you go to school and you meet people at school. And then you go to college and then you get a roommate. And then you get married. And then you uh, move into a neighborhood. Then you get a job and you have coworkers. Everywhere we go, we have relationships. But are they Friendships. So we are in a relational society, but we need to have friendships. And they just really aren't easy. Matter of fact, they're messy. Friendships require work. Real friendships actually require sacrifice. Jesus said in John fifteen thirteen, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Well, in the verses we just read before, as well as this one, it's Thursday night. The cross is coming. Jesus is talking face-to-face with his friends, man-to-man. He knows that he is not going to see them until after the resurrection. They don't know. They're kind of clueless as to what's going on. Just a few minutes before he shared this verse, he had washed their feet. and They were scratching their heads trying to figure out, what is he doing? Then he looks Judas square in the eye said, go. Go do what you got to do. And Judas had already started the wheels in motion for the betrayal of Jesus, his friend. Peter is over here on the side saying, I'm going to serve you, Lord. You can count on me, man. I am there for you. And Jesus says, this time, time out, time out. Let me tell you the truth, Peter. Before the sun comes up in the morning, you're going to deny me. Not once, not twice, but three times. Peter still can't figure out what's going on. And then Jesus makes a statement. Greater love has no one than this. This I want to lay down his life for his friends. Now that is not some pious platitude that Jesus just throws out there so that it looks really nice and sweet in our red letter edition of the Bible. It's all about the cross. See, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross which is ugly and it's tough and it's messy. And he is going to attempt to restore that relationship between God and man. Obviously, he succeeds. Friendship, sacrificial friendship, isn't easy. It's not nice and neat and clean always. It can be ugly and it can be messy because it's sacrificial. Because, you see, in a friendship you then say, I am willing to go visit my friend on my friend's timetable, not when it's convenient for me. In a true sacrificial friendship, a friend is able to go to another friend and say, Hey, brother, I've just noticed something, and I've been meaning to talk to you about it. Uh, I'm worried about the way that you treat your wife. I just don't see that you really honor her in the way that Christ is telling us to do in the scripture. Boy, that's costly. That's sacrificial. That's laying down your life. Sister, uh, you just seem to get really angry with your kids. And and when you discipline them, it seems to be more out of anger than, than out of love. Is there an issue there? Is there a problem? Can we talk about that? See, real friendship is messy, and it requires sacrifice, it requires hard work. One of the things that we see in Scripture, in Proverbs 26, excuse me, 27, verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. See, none of us have a complete view of our lives. You know, I mean, at best, you know what we got is a 180 view. I mean, depending on what your peripheral vision is. You know, maybe you're really cool and, you know, you might get, you know, 200 or something. But for most of us, this is all that we can see. And yet, the reality of life is that it's a 360. There's stuff going on back here that I don't see, that I don't get. Now, you may not believe it, but uh, I am a blockhead. No amens, okay? Okay. I am a typical guy in the sense that this thing right here, it's made of concrete. And very rarely, but it does happen, but very rarely does stuff go from here to here. So I will say things and I will do things that are wrong. I know that's hard for you to believe, but it has happened. Now, the good thing is that I have friends who help me to see back here. Help me to see when things just aren't connecting between here and here. And a friend will do that. Now, being in the ministry for as many years as I have, you know, 25-plus years, and being around planet Earth for over 50 years, I have found out something very interesting about human nature. Everybody's got an opinion about you. Well, I should say everybody, but people have opinions about you. You know what? I don't listen to opinions that much anymore. But I do listen to the words of a friend. Because I know that my friends have my back. Faithful are their wounds. You know, see, there are two ways we can go after somebody. We can cut with a chainsaw. I mean, it's designed to cut. But it leaves a lot of damage. And when somebody comes to me and there's just a lot of damage, I know that that person's not a friend. But see, there's another instrument that could be used to cut. It's called a scalpel. That scalpel can carefully be used to cut as well, but it's designed to heal. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So we need to use our words as friends very, very carefully. So when I need to hear something I don't like, I want a friend to deliver it because I know that his wounds are faithful. Now, I'm privileged to have a group of friends that I meet with on Friday morning. Matter of fact, John Dykstra is one of my buds. So, John, come on up here, or come on down here. And, John, why don't you tell us uh, what it is that uh, we do besides uh, uh, eat a lot of uh, cholesterol stuff? On oh, we go bowling in the
1: morning. No, actually, we don't. Um, no, we start off, we just catch up on the week, just kind of see how our week went. and um, But we. Um, ask some more serious questions after that how's your time been in the word this week and, and what is God showing you and you know we let the person answer that and uh, God's always working with them uh, then we ask well how are things going at home how are things in the marketplace and other relationships as Jim is talking about um, and then we ask you know how can you pray for how can we pray for you and that's where the rubber really hits the road is, is in those prayers. And um, just to know if someone's praying for you that day to start the day off. And if you want to test out your friends, tell them, you know, I think I have a problem with something. And watch that friend go into motion. Well said. Give him a hand. <clears throat> John's
0: also uh, one of our deacons, and uh, yeah, he's one of my buds. And so we've developed a friendship and so it, there's a faithfulness that is there and you know it's real simple you know, you already heard Tim and Jason talk about this we just simply hit three things it's very practical something that you could do as John said what, what's happening in the word tell, tell me about what you're reading in scripture now why do we do that because the word of God transforms us and changes us and I need a lot of help I need a lot of change I need a lot of transformation and I cannot gut it out on my own but when I'm in the Word, the Word of God will transform me and change me. So my friends are holding me accountable to that. We also say, you know, what's happening in your life as a man? Are you seeing things with your eyes that you shouldn't see? You know, Scripture says that if we confess our sins to one another, we'll be healed. So be honest. Be honest with what's going on. What's happening as a husband? How are you treating your wife? How are you treating your kids? What's going on in the marketplace? And then, as John said, we pray. Give me one thing I can pray for you right now. And we actually do it right at that moment. We stop to pray. And these guys have told me, said, you know, Jim, one of the things I appreciate about this is that I know at least once during the week, somebody has taken my name and they've lifted up to the throne. Powerful stuff. And that's what friends do, because we really need to have that 360, not just a 180. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We need to not just settle for Facebook, but FaceTime. We need to spend time with one another. Now, I'm not knocking Facebook. It's a great tool. But I've got a Facebook friend in Seattle, and I doubt very seriously if I'm in trouble that he's going to hop on a plane from Seattle and fly into Chicago Midway and then rent a car and come and see me. But I know that John Dykstra will because we've developed FaceTime. That's what friends need. That's what friends do. And so as we spend time with one another, we know that doing life together is part of the whole Christian experience. It's not enough for us just to sit in a nice air-conditioned auditorium, sing some wonderful songs, hear a stimulating message, and give some money. Then we'll cut it. That is not enough. We have been hardwired by God to be in friendship. And if that is not happening, spiritually, we will shrivel up and we will die. As pastors and elders, we know that. And that is why, as a church, we are committed to small groups. We're not just a church that has small groups, like a whole grocery list of all kinds of different things that you can kind of jump into and say, Oh, well, that's really a nice option. We are a church of small groups. You understand the difference? And so we know that when we are in community, when we are in friendship with one another, you know, we can move from just simply having a whole bunch of acquaintances to having depth of friendship. Now, the reality for a lot of us is we probably got lots of names on our contact list, got a lot of friends on Facebook, but how many buds do we have? How many people do we have that are really tight and really close? because we need not just Facebook but we need FaceTime. Now it's real easy to connect with a small group. It's really not hard. Matter of fact, we've made it very, very easy for you. I'm going to show you how easy it is right now. Matter of fact, if you've got an iPhone, if you have a Droid phone, and you want to follow along, feel free to do so. This is a great application point. I know sometimes Pastor Steve will say, oh, don't do this, now; do it later. I'm telling you, you can do this right now, and you can get up and walk out and go home. If you get this part of the message, you have gotten it all. So go to our website, www.bethelweb.org. Now, doesn't that look nice? I think that's a really pretty website. So I'm kind of looking at that, and I see a little thing up there that says Bethel Life. So I'll click on Bethel Life. Now when I click on Bethel Life, I see all kinds of options about ways to be engaged and involved in what's going on with, uh, with Bethel Church. So I click on the thing about small groups. Now, when I click on what it says about small groups, I read this that Pastor Brad Lagos has put together. Really great statement. Although our weekend services at Bethel are essential, it can be easy to get lost in the crowd. Small groups provide a smaller, more relational setting where people can experience the loving community and genuine fellowship we all need. By gathering frequently to build relationships and live out the Christian faith together, small groups become a place where people truly feel connected and supported as they strive to live life as God intends. Now, the next step, I admit, is risky. When you click on this link about joining a small group, you'll fill out some information. Now, I will tell you, I promise you this. Pastor Brad's office is right next to mine. He is not going to ask for your social security number. He's not going to ask for a thumbprint, and he doesn't bite. You know, he's a nice guy. And he will connect with you to try to help you link up with a small group. Getting ready to start those in August. So here's a very practical, very simple way for all of us to be connected. And... Why is this important? This weekend, and pretty much every weekend at Bethel, we'll have 2,300, 2,400 people attend. That's a pretty good-sized group. And yet the reality is we have 833 of you who have said, I am willing to develop a friendship through a small group. We can do the math. So there's 1,600 of us that are here on a regular basis that aren't connected who are on the verge and the risk of shriveling up and dying spiritually. It's two out of every three of us here that really aren't connected. That's not good. Especially when God has created us to be in friendship. He's hardwired us for that. And when we are short-circuited from that, we will not grow. It's a critical thing that we need to have. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their, to- for their toil. If they fall, then one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has not another to lift him up. I love this verse, uh, Leviticus six Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. Proverbs 11.14. Where there's no guidance... People falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. There's an amazing thing that happens when friends connect. More gets done. It's what is called synergy. Now, for uh, all of our technical people here, I have a technical definition for synergy. Uh, Synergy is the energy or force created by the working together of various parts or processes. Now, for those of you that are like me, that are not technical, what does that mean? All right, let me give you an example. Uh, you get to do this at home. You can try this. When you go home, I want you to get the horses out of your stable and I want you to connect them to your carriage. I know all of you will do that. Now, two horses. Anybody have horses here? I'm just curious. Okay. Well, if you lived 100 years ago, you would have figured this one out. Two horses can pull roughly 8,000 pounds. Now, if you take two more horses and hook them up to those other two to pull the wagon, how many pounds could those four horses do? Do the math. Boy, you guys are really out of school, aren't you? All right. No, you cannot do that. It's, you know, it's not going to be simple math like that. As a matter of fact, you know, instead of being able to pull 18,000 pounds, it's actually 30,000 pounds. Because there's a very interesting principle at work here. It's called synergy. Synergy is basically this. That the, you know, the complete output, the combined output is better than or more than the sum total of the parts. It's an amazing thing that happens. Now, what does that mean for us? Let's take prayer as an example. We just spent time praying. Now, does God hear your prayer as an individual? Of course he does. It's very important to him. But we also know that there is an unbelievable power that God gives us when we pray together, when we pray with our friends. That is why many of you will text prayer requests into us. You'll take the time to write that down. So as elders and as staff, we pray for you. That is why you'll pick up the phone and you'll call a friend and you'll say, please pray for me because we know that there is a power that God gives when friends Meet together to pray there 's something more powerful than happens than if I just pray by myself it 's called synergy that happens when we have a friend when we develop friendship. when it comes to counselors, you know I could just sit down and get counsel from one person and then another person and then another person, kind of add it together, but you know what it 's going to make so much more sense if I say, "Hey." Guys, those of you that know me, I've got some really tough decisions that I need to make. I need some wisdom here because, you know what, you guys are watching my back. You have, you help me have a 360. Let's sit down and let's see if God can give us some wisdom through this. Let's pray together. There is a power that God gives, you know, when we're able to develop this kind of friendship that is synergistic. See, God has called us not to be a bunch of Rambos. He's called us to be a band of brothers. Yep, Rambo looks really good on TV, but anybody that's ever served in the military knows that that's just not the way that it works. (laughs) you got to be in a team. As a matter of fact, I was watching something on the History Channel uh, not too terribly long ago and uh, dealing with the Battle of Hue in uh, Vietnam. And when the bullets were flying and the mortars were going off, the guy said, you know, I was not thinking about apple pie, mom, and Chevrolet, and my home in the country. I'm thinking about my brother that is next to me and I'm fighting for him. See, there's a power that God gives us together that we do not have apart. Maybe you're in a job where the boss uses four-letter expletives in an anger tirade just to intimidate. And you don't know whether to knock that guy into next Tuesday or to shrivel up and die. But when you have a friend, your friend is going to say, hey, I'm praying with you. Don't quit. Don't don't give up. You're not in this alone. Maybe you're in a relationship that's being tested by infidelity. And you're scared to death to open your mouth to anyone to talk about it. You're going to die. You're going to shrivel up. You need to talk to a friend. Because that friend is going to say, I can pray with you. Because God's power can do amazing things when his people gather together to pray. Remember that verse that Pastor Jim shared? If my people, plural, pray. There's something synergistic that happens when we are together as friends. A friend of mine uh, from Atlanta sent this story to me, and and I'd like to read it to you. It's It's really a good story. So, let me quote, uh, One day, when I was a freshman in high school, I saw a kid from my class walking home. Uh, his name was Kyle, and looked like he was carrying all of his books. And I thought to myself, why would anyone bring their books home on a Friday? This guy must really be a nerd. I had quite a weekend planned for myself, parties, football game with my friends in the afternoon, so I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and went on. And as I was walking, I saw a bunch of kids running toward him, and they ran right at him, knocking all of his books out of his arms and tripping him so that he landed in the dirt. His glasses went flying, and I saw them land in the grass about 10 feet away from him. He looked up, and I saw this terrible sadness in his eyes. My heart went out to him. So I jogged over to him, and as he crawled around looking for his glasses, I also saw a tear in his eye. I found his glasses, handed it to him and said, wow, man, those guys are really jerks. They really ought to get serious about having a life. And then he looked at me and said, hey, thanks. And there was a big smile on his face. You know, it it was one of those smiles that showed real gratitude. So I helped him pick up his books and asked him where he lived. And as it turned out, he lived near me. And so I asked him why I'd never seen him before, and he said he'd gone to private school before now. And, you know, I just never would have hung out with a kid from private school. So we talked all the way home, and I actually carried some of his books, and uh, Kyle turned out to be a pretty cool guy. And I asked him if he wanted to play a little football with my friends, and he said, yeah. So we hung out all weekend, and the more that I got to know Kyle, the more I liked him. And my friends thought the same. Monday morning came, and there was Kyle with his huge stack of books again. And I stopped him and said, Boy, you're really going to build up some serious guns with this pile of books every day. And then he just laughed at me and handed me half of his books. Over the next four years, Kyle and I became best friends. When we were seniors, we began to think about college. Kyle decided on Georgetown, and I was going to Duke. And I knew that we would always be friends and that the miles would never be a problem. He was going to be a doctor. I was going on for business on a football scholarship. Well, Kyle, the nerd, was a valedictorian of our class, and I teased him all the time. And he had to prepare a speech for graduation, and I was really glad that it wasn't me having to stand up there and speak. Graduation day, I saw Kyle, and he looked great. You know, he was one of those guys that, that actually found himself during high school. He, he filled out and, and actually looked good in glasses. He had more dates than I had, and all the girls loved him. Boy, sometimes I was jealous, and today was one of those days. I could see that he was nervous about his speech, so I smacked him on the back and said, Hey, big guy, you're going to be great. And he looked at me with one of those looks, you know, that really grateful one, and he smiled. Thanks, he said. As he started his speech, he cleared his throat and began Graduation is a time to thank those who helped you make it through those tough years. Your parents and your teachers, your siblings, maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. And I'm here to tell you that being a friend to someone is the best gift that you can give them. I'm going to tell you a story. And I just looked at my friend with disbelief as he told the story of uh, the first day that we met. What I didn't know was that he had planned to kill himself over the weekend. He talked about how he had cleaned out his locker so that his mom wouldn't have to do it later as he was carrying all of his stuff home. Then he looked hard at me and gave me a smile. He went on in his speech, and thankfully, he said, I was saved. My friend saved me from doing the unspeakable. I heard a gasp go throughout the crowd as this handsome, popular boy told us all about his weakest moment. I saw his mom and dad looking at me and smiling that same grateful smile. Not until that moment did I realize its depth. Never underestimate the power of your actions. With one small gesture, you can save a person's life. For better or for worse, God puts all of us in each other's lives to impact us in some way. Friendship has been made by God. You and I have been hardwired by God for friendship. Friendship with Him, friendship with one another. But you see, friendships aren't easy, they're a little messy, it requires sacrifice. And friendships will help us to have a true view of really what's going on in our lives because a real good friend is going to watch you back, help you to have that 360. And true friendship allows you to accomplish so much more in the walk with Christ than you could ever, ever do on your own. God does amazing things through friendship. We have been made for friendship. We've been crafted for it. And when we don't have it, we die. What does it mean to be a 2 o'clock in the morning friend? Now you know. Let's pray for a second. Father, we thank you for friendship. We thank you for the friendship that you have given us with yourself that is eternal. And out of that friendship with you, you speak and you empower us to be friends with one another. Because the Christian life has never been intended to walk alone. We're to do life together. you made us that way. And when we don't get it, we suffer. So, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that they would be serious about their walks with you. And be serious about developing a friendship through a small group, through a core group, just with a few believers that they know. Father, help all of us to have that. Because otherwise, we'll just have too many casualties in the battle and that's not your plan. So, Lord, help us to have that kind of relationship here and help us as leaders to help empower people and provide opportunities for that. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Before we go, I want to share this with you as well. We talked about being hardwired for friendship. See, that's how God made us. And unfortunately, sin disconnected us and short-circuited us from this friendship with God. Happened in the garden. Jesus went to the cross to rewire us to God by wiping out sin. And if you want to be a friend with someone, you know, you're going to have a hard time doing that if you don't have this friendship settled. So I want to give you an opportunity today, right now, just to settle this Because when this is hardwired, then you can plug in right here. That's friendship. It's great. It's great. You could pray and say, Father, thank you. Thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. Because I'm a sinner. And I know that I am short-circuited in my relationship with you. It just doesn't work and it just doesn't exist. And I deeply want that. So, Lord Jesus, would you come into my life, cleanse me and change me and make me into the kind of person you want me to be so that I can be empowered to have these friendships here. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I accept your gift and give my life to you. We're going to have counselors who are going to be here at the end of the service who would love to talk to you, to help you get hardwired into that friendship with God. Be here just to talk with you, spend time with you. If you have a need or a prayer request, we're here to be able to help you with that. Because God loves you. And we want you to experience that fantastic, marvelous love of his friendship. Would you stand with me?